Hi, you're listening to You're Like Really Pretty, a podcast for the girlies and the gays that love pop culture, reality TV, and the occasional juicy political scandal. I'm your host, Kayla. Oh my God, guys. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing per the usual. Thank you so much for being patient with me while I was on my little breaky poo. I have school stuff that I just had to take care of. And I was like, you know what? They're going to have to wait for my voice. I know it killed you. I know you were so sad to go a week without hearing my voice. And for that, I do apologize. But however, comma, I am back. I'm here. We are ready. We are thriving. I'm at a peak right now because the sun came out last week. Um, it got to 64 degrees up here in Seattle. What it do, what it do. And I, you give me one day of that kind of sunshine and I'll, I will fucking sustain off of it for a month and a half. Like I am a through and through Pacific Northwest gal, little sunshine and I'm okay. And so I'm thriving. And today it's not raining. I do like the rain, but it, it, you know, it hits this time of the year and I'm like, oh my God, are we going to make it? Are we going to make it? Okay. Cause your girl's already a depressed bitch. And I take my vitamin D. I try to get outside. I tell everybody who isn't from here because I live in a military town, you know, I'm married to the military dude. Um, I tell everybody out here, I'm like, don't put your life on pause here. Like if you just sit there and bitch and moan about the weather, you're going to be miserable. Invest in a good rain jacket, some boots, and keep it pushing. Get outside. Like it rains all this time, all the time. But like the green we have, we have that for a reason, my dears. So let's get out. Let's go on a walk. You know, you can dry off. You'll be fine. Okay, so much stuff like has happened. I just feel like. It's only been two weeks, but like, man, have I lived life in these last two weeks. So uh, two weeks ago, my mother-in-law and sister-in-law came into town. My sister-in-law is a full-time artist. Yeah, you heard me correctly. She's a full-time artist. Um, She sells her art at Comic Cons. And we had the big one here in Seattle, Sakura Con. Um, and she made bank. Okay. Like she is hustling. And so they stayed in Seattle. Um, I tried to get a day off and I was able to get one day off, but they wouldn't give me the other day off. So I, I was so tired and I had so much schoolwork like on top of it. And I was just so exhausted. Um, I was like driving over to Seattle. Uh, like I drove over there, like three or four days in a row to spend time with them. Um, and we had a lot of fun. Uh, they were very busy with the con. And so we didn't really get that much time together. But the time we did have together was fun. I really, um, I'm like really lucky because my in-laws really do love me. Like I don't have a crazy mother-in-law. They love to chat, which is my favorite thing. Um, my sister-in-law took us to a hot, hot bowl dinner. I think that's what it's called. I kept calling it hot plate. It's, I think it's called hot bowl, but it's basically like you get food and then you get this like really, really hot like soup and you can like choose two of them. And, um, you like cook your food in the soup, like right there, which at first I was like, 
she's gonna make me cook my own food but like it's not like that it's not like that at all it is so yummy I made myself like a little ramen situation and it was the best like ramen I think I've ever had and I'm super picky so like being able to just like pick and choose what I wanted to put into it and like not have to tell somebody um honestly was just everything I need so that was really yummy and then um I had a day planned for my mother-in-law but my sister-in-law got sick so my mother-in-law had to like man the table and for like the first half of the day so I ended up going to Seattle waiting for them to get done and I took my laptop and I did homework in the Columbia Tower and drank a $19 drink with tip $19 for one drink I yeah but um I was there for like three hours and honestly it's the best view of Seattle it's better than the needle um I'd never been there I mean maybe I went there when I was really really little but it's the best view of Seattle like it was incredible and this um Friday I went with my friends so we had so much fun Um, first, let me just do like the quick version of the situation. We went to psychics and I say psychics because I, so this psychic like shop has been there the entire time I've been coming to this County. Like since I was with my toxic ex and driving out to his house in the boonies, this psychic has been in this County. And so like, I just Googled psychic in the name of the county because our friend Kirsten had gone there and she like really enjoyed it and so I like called and I was like okay there's like four of us that want to come and like it's going to be kind of like in sets um because I don't get off till super late so like the first set they're going to come do it back to back and then the next set and they I called the one that was like in one place in place a But I guess I spoke to person in place B and person in place B is the daughter. Y'all, they bamboozled me. I, so everybody, they got a full psychic reading. Everybody that went to the first place with the mom, they all paid $85 each. I got the same exact thing and I paid $125. (laughs) I was like, I'm a mark. I'm an easy mark. I am, what? So I paid $125. And all four of us were told that we have darkness. (laughs) I believe in psychics. I do. I do believe that there's some people that have gifts. Um, And I do, like, a little bit of their reading was, like, very, it was good. But it was, like, just, it kind of, I was like, this feels dishonest and like yucky Um, because all four of us, every single one of us had darkness we needed to get rid of. And so I get it. You're trying to get your coin. But like, why don't you guys pick two? (laughs) Why don't you guys pick two of us and like pick those two and tell them they have darkness? So over at the other place. I can't remember everybody's price, but like one of them, they, the, the mom told her she, to get rid of the darkness, $900. (laughs) 
I was told 500. So I guess she was like, oh, I'll cut her deal since I charged her 125. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it was like, I was like, you know what? You guys suck. <laughs> like, just, but we all compared notes. So then we went over to Tay's house and we had like a cute dinner. So I was, because I work so late, I was the last person and I trot, trot, trotted my way up to the door and like I walked in and um, I was like, hey guys, hey everybody. And then like I heard myself talking. I was like, what is that? These whores were listening to my podcast on like Tay's speaker. They were just like hanging out listening to it. Can can you believe that? Like, what did I do to get such good friends? I don't understand. And they were like, congratulations on 10 episodes. It was so cute. Caitlin bought all of us flowers. We drank wine. We had Tay made lasagna. And then like the I think it was the day of or maybe the night before. She's like, do you even like lasagna? Because you know how picky I am. And I was like, no comment. <laughs> but I did have a bite of the lasagna and it was yummy. Um, it's just like, I can't do ricotta cheese. I know it's like really stupid. Like what is wrong with me? But just, it's a texture thing. Um, and you have to make lasagna with ricotta cheese. Like it's, so I had the bite. I tried it. She's incredible at cooking. Um, she's like, I follow recipes. No, it was really good. The texture of the, like the hardest thing with lasagna is the noodles to me. Like you are the pasta. Are they noodles? I don't know, but it's very easy to make them either like too raw or too crunchy. So she did great. Caitlin in our group chat was like, we can get Kayla breadsticks. <laughs> and I did. I had a salad and four breadsticks with one bite of spinach and artichoke dip and one bite of the lasagna. Kirsten and I shared a bottle of Moscato that was so good. And I like, I mean, we drank that entire bottle and I don't think I've ever finished a bottle of wine with somebody. Is it really wine? Is Moscato really wine? It's just too good to be wine. Oh, so yummy. Oh my God. Okay. So we had fun. We had our little kiki. We were laughing and joshing around. Um, and good. There was really exciting news. Um, about one of us that I can't really share to anybody, but it was really exciting. And I know you're listening to this and I'm so happy for you. My heart is so filled with joy. Like I can't even, I'm just so excited for you. Um, and then, uh, we played a game that I ended up getting my feelings hurt with. So we're not going to get into that. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but what I'm really excited to share with you is, Truly, Tay and I, um, you've seen the movie Get Out, right? Yeah, her and I were almost in Get Out too. So let me set the scene a little bit. Um, I grew up in a very secular home. Uh, all my parents were raised Catholic. 
And by the time I came around, they were not practicing Catholics whatsoever. Um, like my mom went to Catholic school. Uh, my stepmom was raised Catholic. I'm pretty sure she went to a Catholic school, like in grade school. And then my dad wore um, like a St. Anthony. I don't know what they are. I don't know any of the saints, but he wore this necklace my entire life. Um, and they just didn't put any of that on me. They just were like, you find your own way in whatever way that is. We're happy with it. Uh, which was, you know, for my parents and all their issues. Um, I think that's really cool that they were just so open. And so I grew up in America, so there's a lot of Christians around here, and a lot of my friends were Christians, and I went to Bible camp a lot, <laughs> a lot for somebody who did not grow up in a religious home, and I think about that, and I'm like, that is so odd, but uh, when I was eight, I went to this camp called Camp Gilead, and now when I think of it, I think of Handmaid's Tale, because isn't there, like, new country called Gilead, like, what? Um, so I went to Camp Gilead and I went with my neighbor who was also my friend. Her name was Stephanie. And I was eight. She was like 11. But the camp was really nice and like let me like be in the same um, like cabin as her and stuff and do everything with her because I didn't know anybody. Um, but I remember crying because like what 11 year old wants to hang out with an eight year old? Oh, my God. <laughs> but um. Yeah, so that was probably, like, my first foray. And I remember being like, why is everybody talking about, like, I didn't realize it was, like, a Christian camp. I was like, why is everybody talking about God? Like, I just didn't get it. <laughs> and then um, one of my other friends that I grew up with, we played soccer together. And she also is older than me. And she is very special to me. And um, it, she's, like, one of those people that I've known longer than I didn't. I mean, I met her when I was like 10 and I just turned 30. Uh, and she, her parents, her family, they're um, religious. And so I would like, we played soccer together and it like always ended up like me spending the night at her house or her spending the night at my house after our soccer games on Saturday. And when I'd spend the night at her house, her family's a church going family. So Sunday morning we would be going to church. And, um, that's really where I was like, Ooh, what's this all about? Like, and just got very interested in everything. And their pastor there, his name was pastor rich. And he was really kind to me. Um, he was like, you know, as a girl, that's listening and I'm sure boys too, but you know, I can only speak from experience as a girl. Um, men from like 12 onwards are really inappropriate with you and creepy and, um, you know, being it, it just, yeah, just, you know what I'm talking about. And I look back on it and I'm like, oh my God, men are just so creepy and weird. And I can't believe how many situations I was in with just like, not even like putting myself in a bad situation, just like existing. And I'm like, I look back and I'm like, that guy was a predator. I say that all to say Pastor Rich was not. 
he is like one of the few men that I can remember who he didn't treat me like I was a child, but he didn't treat me like I was his peer. And that is very rare um, when I look back in my childhood. And so he was just kind to me. And I, I remember going to Bible camp <laughs> with Morgan. And um, first off, Bible camp, everybody's kissing and humping. Like they're not like full on penetrating, but they're all like dry humping each other. Um, and again, I was younger. I was like younger than everybody, like all Morgan's friends. I was younger than them. So like I was just I'm only a year younger than her. But I remember being like, oh, my God, like I've only kissed a boy. I haven't like done all this. <laughs> <laughs> and by all this, I mean dry humping. Um, and so <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about this. I remember I have a distinct memory. I was wearing this cute pink, like fake cashmere. Oh, but it was so cute. It was from Target um, sweater. And like it was in the woods, this camp. And like we had like two hours where like we were just supposed to like, be alone with our thoughts and like, you know, whether that was like pray or like think or whatever. It was very no pressure. Um, and I remember just walking around this like camp in my pink sweater being like, when are we going to like get back together so we can talk? Because <laughs> I don't want to walk around anywhere. Um, anyway, that's besides the point. But I really love that pink sweater. I wish I never would have donated it because it was so cute and comfy and it was like the perfect where like you wouldn't get hot wearing oh my god I missed that sweater anyway so pastor rich we were um at the bible camp it was like the second time I went and uh he wore this cross all the time that was like a wooden cross and I remember just asking him about it and like he had a really special story behind it and um he, he was just talking about it, talking about who gave it to him, where he was when he got it. And I was just like, I think that's such a cool cross. Like, I really like it. I hope to find one one day. And like, he just took it off and gave it to me. And he's like, here you go. It's yours now. And it just is one of those things that always stuck with me. And um, yeah, he was really a good person who was really kind. And, um, so that, that was kind of my childhood experiences with religion and, uh, church and stuff. And then when I was 21, I got my heart broken. Um, I was wrecked and I was partying a whole bunch. And, uh, one of my friends that I was partying with, her name's Amanda, she, um, her family did not grow up really going to church and then like I think like in her early teenage years they did and she invited me to her church and that place was revolutionary for me um I loved it so much and um I didn't feel pressured there I felt very accepted for who I was I felt very seen um, you know, it was a very like kind of contemporary place and like, you know, like jeans and a flannel, like I, I didn't have to like dress up and, um, 
they played like really cool like worship music and when I say really cool it's not cool okay it's Hillsong worship music and if you're anybody who knows anything about Hillsong which is a great episode idea and I'm going to put it in my notes um Hillsong is problematic but oh my god do they make good worship music and so I was filling the Lord in that room Saturday nights listening to Hillsong And so that's kind of my like religion thing. And then 2016 happened and um, you saw a lot of people who claim to be Christians supporting somebody who goes against everything that that dude Jesus Christ is about. And so I just was completely turned off by like that and those people like I don't understand like how Joel Austin like has such a following and like I don't understand why people don't see the prosperity gospel as a con and why like churches aren't taxed and stuff they're businesses like they are you know worship but they are businesses they should be taxed accordingly um and I just like don't jive with that situation whatsoever And I really, really can't take people who, like, support Donald Trump um, in the, and they, that their reasoning is that, like, it's God's will. Like, what the fuck? Whatever. And I can't take um, people who are against, like, LGBTQ, uh, people who don't, like, stand up to racism, um, stand up to any kind of bigotry and like deny science. Like I just can't, I can't deal with that. So, um, you know, I always say like Jesus was a socialist and he was not about what like modern Christianity is about at all. And so, uh, but what I do miss is I really, really miss what it feels like to be in church worshiping and singing and listening to a really good service where um, it just resonates with you, like in your bones. And yeah, I miss that. I do. I miss, um, I miss all of that. I miss the community and stuff. And so Tay and I were talking about it and I decided to get on the Googler and Google LGBTQ accepting churches. And so I found one in our county And it was like, not like a Christian church. It's called a Unitarian church. And they're like, kind of about taking up multiple aspects of different religions and like a melting pot. And it's supposed to be about like acceptance and, you know, kind of getting what you get out of a typical Christian type church of like the community and like helping and Their whole thing is about, like, believing in science and, like, being green and protecting the earth and standing up to racism and standing up to um, homophobia and stuff. And, like, what we saw online, we're like, yeah, fuck yeah, this is, like, progressive. This is what we want to be a part of. We were Googling. I was like, yes, yes, yes. And then Tay hit me with, like, she watched, I guess, like, a stream And she's like, they're singing out of a hymn book. And I was like, oh, no, I can't do the hymn books. I can't. It's not fun to me. I can't stand it. Okay, if you grew up doing it, God bless you. I can't take it. I need to be (laughs) I need to be singing 
pop punk worship songs. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so stupid. But that's what I need to be singing. Uh, I can't do the hymns. And these were not hymns. So let me let me start off with the fact that there was an omen. So I was driving and I was yapping away like I do. And I was about to get into the turn lane. And Tay thought I was like not going to stop and hit the car in front of us. And so she, the passenger, reached her arm out to save me. That's how much she loves me. Do you understand that? Do you do you guys get that she was the passenger and reached her arm out to save me? Was she going to save me? No, probably not. Um, but the thought counts. And so I was like, what's going on? And like, I went over into the, I was like, what is, I was going to get in the other lane. And she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So like, it was my fault, but Tay is taking the blame. Um, I thought I spilt her coffee all over her. Thank God I didn't. Um, but it, that should have been our warning that we needed to um, keep driving straight, go down to the downtown area and, um, eat a bagel or something because it, we should not anyway so we turned in and we were like nervous we were like oh my god oh my god what's this going to be about and we knew going in because the county we live in is not diverse it's just not okay it's not it's like the people who settled here and like colonized from um the indigenous peoples that are around here, they were like Norwegian. And that's like what's up here is like Norwegian people. And so we knew it wasn't going to be the most diverse place. But everything they were talking about, we were like, maybe there's a little, maybe there's a little diversity going on. We walk in and we get name tags. And the people are like, hi, hi, how they're at every church. Like, hey, welcome. So I wasn't immediately like whatever. And so like they're like, oh, name tags. And then the first, is this your first time here? Have you been, have you come here before? You obviously don't recognize us. So no, we have not been here before. But I wasn't annoyed at that point with the question. We write our names down. My name, it's Kayla. K-A-I-L-A. The I throws people. I understand. Kyla. I've gotten Kaila. Um, I've gotten Keila. Uh, I, my job, I work for an inbound call center and I get Kathy. I get Dara a lot. I don't know where that comes from. Um, so I get it. People have mispronounced my name my entire life. And I've just come to accept that the I throws people off. However, Tay spells her name and her real name is Samite, but she goes by Tay because nobody can pronounce her name. And the first time I said her name, I mispronounced it. And to this day, it kills me. She told me somebody called her Meta once. <laughs> Meta. Is that how you say it? Meta? Oh my God, I can't take that. But she goes by Tay. T-A-Y. That is what she wrote on this name tag. This lady up the at front goes, how do you pronounce that? I, <laughs> how else would you pronounce T-A-Y? I was like, I know this bitch is lying. She's like, Tay. And so 
we're like, what the fuck? What are we doing? We walk in. We are being stared at by everybody. And there's probably about 40 people at this church. And we are being stared at. And they're like, obviously like, hi, is this your first time? I mean, we got that 15 times. And we're like, yeah. And some people were like, have you gone here before? And it's like, obviously not. Um, the service was wild. It was like, I can't even, the, the first like preaching part he did um, I could not tell you what the message was. All I know is that the theme was, uh, is this naturalist, um, Henry Thoreau. It That was the theme of the service. He like read a children's book about him to us. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it was about, dude. I have no idea. It was wild. Um, and... We had the hymn book, but it wasn't hymns. It wasn't like traditional hymns, which, you know what? Cool. Not it's whatever. But they didn't make any sense. It was like just words put together. I I was like, what's going on? Like, I don't understand. Tay had the book open. I was like, where are we in this song? She had to use her finger to guide me. I was like, oh, my God. They definitely thought we were lesbians. Um, they, it, And you know what? I love that. Tay said she's the butch one, but she was wearing pearls. Um, so I don't think she was the butch one. I think I was the butch one. But um, or maybe we were just like, you know, both femmes. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe we're both butch. I don't know. I had vans on, so I was definitely the butch one. Um, and in a jean jacket. Yeah, I was the butch one. Sorry, Tay. You had like cute, like riding looking pants on and pearls in your pretty blouse. I was the butch one. So they're all talking to us and there's this lady or they're all talking to us before. And then like, as the service, I say that with quotes was going on, we're looking around and I'm just, everybody's staring at us and you might be like, you were new. And it's like, yeah, if you're white, that's what you say. <laughs> if you're anything other than white, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like we were zoo animals. The entire time people are just, I mean, the person in front that was sitting directly in front of us, they would turn around and just look at us. And she had introduced herself to us. Why are you still looking at me? And then there was the person across the way who was staring at us the entire time, like just intently and kind of like not mean mugging, but like scowling. And we were like, oh my God. And so as soon as the service ended, we like, they were playing music and we're like, should we go? And then we're like, wait, they're still playing music. We'll wait till they're done playing music and then we'll leave. Mistake. That was another mistake. They swarmed us. This entire congregation came to the side of the room that we were in. It was like they all huddled around to talk to us and to like gawk at us. And Miss Scalface came over. She's the one that made it over. Like there was a guy next to us who he's like, is this your first time? This is my first time. We're like, yeah. And he's like, do you live here? And the place where we were is very rich. And I was like, look at me. Do I look like I live here? <laughs> like, come on. This is out of my tax bracket. No, I do not live here. Um, and then, you know, 
he laughed and whatever and they were talking about like he talked about like them closing down a public school I think which was like sad um so he kind of chatted with us and then Scal came over stood over us and then like started yapping at us which nothing wrong with that but she had to get in that her husband is Chinese it's just I was like cool what does that have anything to do with anything um and they like we could feel everybody lining up around us like they were all it it was like none of these people had ever seen a black person before it was honestly like they wanted to wear our skin truly we were about to be kidnapped and cooked they wanted our hair. They wanted our skin. They wanted my DNA. They wanted Tay's DNA. We were going to be skinned alive. It was going to be Get Out Part 2. These people wanted to wear us. It was, I mean, like, it, I can't even explain to you how they were all looking at us. And just like, they were, it was like they were chomping at the bit to just like, be like, oh my God, we have like, we need to get the black girls into this, into this group. Like it was so, I could not, um, it scared me. <laughs> and so we were like, we got to get out of here. And so like, we're trying to like shuffle out of here. Tay almost stole the hymn book. And so we were almost through the door and then she's like, shit. And like ran and dropped off the book. And like, they're all like watching us. It was like, like little owls watching us intently like where are they going and we're like we got to get out of here and um so like we walk out this lady is there in her poncho and she's like is this your first time <laughs> they're all all of them is this your first time and we're like yeah and she's like talking to us and how long she's been going and about like how it's different or whatever and she's just yapping at us and we're like have a good day and I'm like trying to take a picture of the cherry blossom tree and as soon as we got into the car we just started busting up like we both were like what the hell was that oh my god Tay she's like you know what good for you but y'all will never see our black asses again like we were so scared I can't even explain it to you we just kept talking we're like what was that what was that over and over um it was so harrowing so I was like do you want to go to the crystal store to Tay and Tay and Caitlin are both very into the metaphysical and their crystals and they have thoroughly influenced me Tay gave my husband a calcite crystal probably like almost a year ago and um because she's really sweet and like we were drinking at her place after we went to Viking Fest and my husband I guess kept like touching it and stuff and she's like I want you to have this because she is so pure like that and so we've had that and then when we went to Hawaii she has a friend that owns a store and so we went to her store and she also sells crystals there. And so my husband picked out a clear quartz. And then I sent the picture to them yesterday and the other one's a unikite. Um, and things have been 
great since they've been in our house. Um, and I didn't even like do all the stuff that you're supposed to do with them. I just like had them up on our entertainment center. And so we went to the crystal store, um, because the psychic had, had sold me the one that bamboozled me, but I'm okay about this bamboozle. Cause I don't think it's a bamboozle sold me, um, a beautiful rose quartz and a beautiful smoky quartz and I have like had them next to me and I just feel really good about them. And then at the um, crystal store, I bought like $130 worth of stuff. I bought crystals, I bought incense, and I bought a um, smudge smudger and a bracelet. Yeah, so I'm feeling really good. I have my rose quartz and my smoky quartz and my moonstone next to me. And, um, it just makes me feel really good. And I'm excited to like bond with my friends about it. They know a lot about it. And like, I ask so many questions and, um, they're just so kind about it. And I think we're going to do like a little moon thing. And yeah, so it's fun. They're pretty. It's something that's from the earth and I just really like them. But, uh, yeah, so the crystals have soothed me because I was in a fragile place post that experience. And here we are, um, 37 minutes in. I had a lot to talk about, okay? I could have kept going and going, but let's get into these hot topics, honey. First one, can you believe it? Taylor Swift and Joe Alwyn. I never knew how to really pronounce this name. I think it's Alwyn. They broke up apparently. Um, very strategic on Taylor's part because, uh, she's on her tour, so she doesn't have to answer any press about it, but they broke up. I don't think anybody's really sad about it. I don't know. Sorry. Um, I still want to go see Taylor in concert, but I've already spent so much money on tickets. Oh, decisions. Okay. Anyway, they broke up, Ugh. but you know who got back together, which this pissed me off, is Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox. Um, I thought she was done with him. I think he is so toxic and gross and like, I just, I can't. And I guess they went to Hawaii together and I was like, no, Megan, why, why? Um, so they were spotted together in Hawaii and a dove cried. Um, and then exciting, super duper exciting news. Probably the biggest news I'm going to talk about. And that is that Miss Sasha Colby won RuPaul's Drag Race season 15. I was so happy. Um, if you don't know anything about Drag Race, please go watch a few seasons. It's so good. It like, it just hits and the girls are just so fucking talented. And especially in a time like this, when we have so much rampant transphobia and gay bashing and homophobia and just everything that has to do with queer, queer people are being attacked. Um, like I talked about last episode, they're the new boogeyman this year for the GOP. And so go to your local drag shows and tip your 
waitresses and tip the drag queens um, and support them. And so in my house, my husband has declared that we are a house of Colby stands. Uh, he, I don't think it was last season. I think it was the season before. Maybe it was last season. Carrie Colby. Um, he fell in love with her. I mean, like, I think it was last season. He absolutely fell in love with her. Like, just could, was devastated when she was eliminated. And so Miss Sasha Colby, who is, like, drag royalty, not like RuPaul's Drag Race, like, in the drag community, she is royalty. Um, She was Miss Continental 2012. Like, she is royalty, and she exudes it. And what's so incredible is, like, like the tagline was like your your favorite drag queen's favorite drag queen. Like that was like what everybody has said about her. Like she she has it. She has that star power. She has what RuPaul has. And and dare I say maybe even more? Maybe even more. Like she's regal. And um it she is so kind. Like she's shady, but she's like fun shady. And she's so kind and she's so loving and she has just this beautiful like maternal energy. She's just like a sun goddess. And you're like, oh, I just want to like be hugged by you. Like that's what she gives. It's like, you know, women that you just want to hug like divine femininity. Oh, I just adore her. And so my husband's gone right now and I got to send him an email um, saying, Shantae, you stay. Congratulations. Uh, oh, I said, congratulations, congratulations, um, Sasha Colby won. And so he was so happy to hear that it was, I'm bummed that he didn't get to watch it live, but it really like made his life that Sasha Colby won. And it's just, she's our reigning queen and it just makes so much sense. And I think the top four were really awesome. Um, the top four were Sasha Colby, uh, Anitra, who you better walk that fucking duck. Um, and Mistress Isabel Brooks, who I'm so excited to watch her career. She's so funny. And I just found out that she's younger than me. And she's that fucking like talented and quick. What? And then Lux Noir London. Um, and they are just like, just such a great top four. And really incredible competitors and like have these beautiful stories and there's these behind the scenes pictures after Sasha was announced as the winner and mistress is like helping Sasha like put her hair up so she can wear her crown it's just so beautiful uh anyway so that that was so good that is so happy I just love like seeing it still all over social media and it was just absolutely incredible. And then um, Coachella is happening. I wonder if I'll ever go to Coachella. Like, I I guess, like, um, the queen of Coachella is not there, Vanessa Hudgens. And so everybody's like, Coachella fell off because she's not there. <laughs> and honestly, yeah, she's the queen of Coachella. So why isn't she there? But um, what's all over my social media, because I am a millennial, is Blink-182 and I want to say you guys are all awful that like sit there and just uber critique somebody's voice. Like 
yeah, he doesn't sound like he did in 1999. Like, come on, get a fucking grip. I, I'm having so much fun seeing like all the stuff, like from the stream and everything, like all the shots and, um, I just can't stop singing. I miss you today. And like, it just really like swelled my heart to see all of, all of that footage and like, They've been through a lot. Like, I think one of the singers, like, had cancer. And then Travis Barker, he, like, almost died back in the day in that airplane crash. And it just was, like, really, it was really, really awesome. And then, I guess, Frank Ocean um, really, like, fumbled his performance. But uh, A24 was there filming something. And so I feel like with Frank, like, he's such an artist artists that I feel like it was intentional so apparently like there was supposed to be um ice skating situation so like while he's performing there was going to be ice skaters doing like a routine and stuff and last minute he like was like no and like changed a whole bunch of things and he was like an hour late for his set and um he was lip syncing a lot of it and he only sang like three songs and it was just like a really horrible performance uh and I think that I think that it won't be surprising if it was completely intentional if it was completely some sort of um think piece but I do agree with a lot of the criticisms that had that been a woman like she never would have been forgiven um and, you know, you might say, like, with Adele canceling her uh, her residency 24 hours before, um, it she got flamed for that. But she's been able to redeem herself because um, everybody is very happy about the shows she's doing right now. However had she like gone on that show and like done a bad job, I don't know if she ever would have recovered. And, um, I do think that you can be upset that like he gave a bad performance, but also like get over it. You know, it's like, it. I'm just, I don't understand people and that like, you there's so many artists that are at Coachella and like well I bought my ticket specifically to see Frank Ocean well it's like this has been his MO for a long time and if it was in fact not some sort of like think piece art piece whatever then maybe you need to like not perform um maybe you're I feel the same way about Justin Bieber, who was all over social media, too, looking very uncomfortable while him and Haley were at Coachella. And of course, the trolls are like saying that she's some sort of witch who like put a spell on him. I'm like, oh, my God, you guys stop. She's just soothing her husband. Like my husband gets overwhelmed. My mom gets overwhelmed. Like my friend H gets overwhelmed. Like I just want to I'm the same way. I like, I want to rub people and soothe them. And they, they're just like, she's putting a spell on him. (sighs) Justin needs to not be in public. And Frank Ocean, perhaps maybe you don't need to perform. Maybe you just need to release music. Cause like 
it's obviously like too much for you to handle if that was like completely authentic. Um, but I don't know if it is. And then uh, Kylie Jenner and Timothy Chalamet. Huh? That's a PR relationship if I've ever heard one. That I was like, what? Huh? Okay. What is this about? That doesn't make any sense. Like truly, it does like it's not it's not clicking. I don't understand it. And honestly, I reject it. Oh my god, I almost forgot to talk about the stupidest controversy in the world. So all of those snowflakes are very triggered because Dylan Mulvaney, who's a TikTok creator and documented her transition um, on TikTok. She's like probably the biggest, I would say, like trans um, internet personality. And she's really awesome and she's really sweet. And she's just so like cute and nice and like sweet. I just don't understand how it feels like somebody like going after like Bambi. Like it's just what? She uh, did a... um like a sponsored ad with uh, Bud Light. And oh my God, it has triggered the bigots like nobody's business. They are so upset about a trans person being supported by a beer company. Like they're like obsessive and it's scary. It's terrifying. Like on one hand, it's like very funny because it's like, you're you are constantly outraged and that's your criticism is like cancel culture with the left and you guys like can't take a joke and everything has to be so pc and blah 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 but it's like you guys are buying beer and rolling over it with like one of those machines i can't think of the name of it right now you know like the big cement they like go over the cement with it to flatten it, that machine. They're like buying pallets of Budweiser and like doing that. It's like, you're the one that's stupid. Like you're spending your money to destroy this. Like you're stupid. Like it's worms in the brain. I don't understand. Um, All because like a beer company supports LGBTQ people. Like what? Oh my God. Get a freaking grip, dude. So they're triggered, but you know who is the king of triggered is Kid Rock. Um, and I don't know if you guys know about this, but Kid Rock's whole persona, like it's, it's drag. He's from like a family that owned, um, car dealerships in Detroit. Like he's not like this poor, like redneck. That's just like not him at all. Like he grew up in a good house. Um, and like, he's not, he has this whole persona of like working class white people and it's just like completely made up, but you know, he's their Messiah. So, um, he's triggered and I guess like he got a machine gun and was like shooting Bud Light. It's so, I can't even like, just like what I, there is a lot of things that I have chosen not to support because of their beliefs and like where they put their money. And honestly, you can't really be ethical in in capitalism, but 
The things that I can choose to not support, I don't. But I have never been like, you know what? I hate Walmart and how they exploit their workforce and how um, they're the number one employer of Americans, but so many of their workers are on welfare, which there's not anything wrong with welfare, but they're on welfare because this company doesn't pay them livable wages and they'll schedule them 37 and a half hours a week so they can't get insurance. And during orientation, they're given pamphlets on how to sign up for food stamps and WIC because they're that evil of a corporation. And I I hate them. But I don't go and like paintball a Walmart. I like I I just don't shop there. <laughs> if you are a bigot and you don't like that Bud Light is making stuff to support a trans woman, don't buy Bud Light. That's all you have to do is literally not spend your money there. It's not that complicated. But I saw a really funny meme that I shared on Facebook because, again, I'm still on Facebook. And it's Newman um, from Seinfeld. And whoever did the photoshopping did it very good. And... (laughs) It's Newman saying, hey, everyone, this guy doesn't like gay Bud Light. And then turning to him says, see, nobody cares. <laughs> it's so funny. Nobody cares. Like, why? Somebody who absolutely warmed my heart with um, their support of the trans community is our king, John Leguizamo. And I hope I didn't butcher that. But you know who he is if you don't immediately, like, recognize the name. He's the voice of Sid in um, Ice Age, and he was the voice of Bruno in Encanto, and um, like he's in like in the John Wick movies. Like he's in everything. He's a very distinct character, and he's uh, he was in um, Tu Wong Fu, uh, which is like a very important queer movie. Um, And so it's not any surprise that he would say this, but like, it's still so important. But the way that he said it was so like, boomer dad, which he's 62. I, I, if somebody told me he was like 48, I would believe that but he's 62. And so he tweeted out a picture of him on some red carpet with a drink in his hand, smiling, looking handsome as ever. And he said, I am all for trans and LGBTQ plus because love is love. How beautiful is that? You want to be a woman or a man? I'm with you because you impact my life in so many great ways. My fam, my friends, my coworkers and colleagues. Colleagues. Oh, my God. Do I know how to speak? Jesus. And colleagues. I am on your team. And then he said, I support my trans brothers and sisters. Love is love. More power to you. Oh my God. I just like, I love that. I love that he, and it's in bright yellow letters over a picture of him. He tweeted that out. And I, you know what? May we all take that energy and really receive it. And I implore you to put a picture of yourself on the internet with yellow lettering over it, talking about your support of trans women and men. Please and thank you. Because we need that. 
that was incredible. That was beautiful. And it might be the highlight of 2023 for me, um, at least until I go see Beyonce. But it's definitely the highlight of Q2 for me right now. Um, and then the last little thing I want to talk about is that my queen, Britney Spears, allegedly has finished writing her memoir. And I cannot wait. Um, I hope it's really healing for her. And I send her all the love. And if anybody who knows Britney ever listens to this, tell her I love her and tell her the world loves her. And we are rooting for you. Okay, let's get into this week's model because I know you are so excited to hear about it. That's right. We're talking about Miss Tyra Banks today. Um, I have a lot of feelings on Tyra. Just to give you a little background, I was a America's Next Top Model girly. Um, I definitely thought I was going to be on America's Next Top Model uh, until I was about 14. Um, I even found like maybe a year or two ago, I found my portfolio of pictures that I had taken um, in 2006 with the sepia filter. Uh, That was a humbling day. It was cute, though. I thought it was adorable. But I loved America's Next Top Model, like the first six seasons. Um, and then I just was like, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. But I really did love those first six seasons. And I obviously was very attached to, um, Life Size, aka one of the greatest movies to ever exist, where Tyra plays a Barbie that comes to life, starring opposite Miss Lindsay Lohan. And it came out in 2000. Um, loved it, loved it, loved it. I loved her, like, I grew up with her being, like, a it model, and I think she came on, um, the scene the year I was born, yeah, like, 1993 was, like, when she really popped, and I just adored her, and then as the years passed, the cornballness came out, um, (laughs) (laughs) she is corny and it's like I just I don't know what it is exactly um it's like she's too earnest and I like I like earnestness like I do like that in people but it's like I guess because it just comes across as phony when with her but yeah she's something else um it 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 is I remember like when she was hosting uh, America's Got Talent. I can't even like, you know how some people love watching like um, compilations of people being cringy or cringy things happening. I am not one of those people. I like I see cringy stuff. I have to look away because I just the secondhand embarrassment literally like it physically makes me so uncomfortable. And so when somebody's being like cringy I just I can't take it and Tyra is somebody who is like consistently fucking cringy and I can't I can't handle it I just can't so uh that's (laughs) that's a little bit of a background on her um or I guess uh my background with her so Tyra was born on December 4th 1973 and that makes her a Sagittarius just like my mom, um, the fire 
is there. Do not tell a Sagittarius what to do. Like, if you find out somebody is a Sagittarius, the first rule of Sagittarius is, is don't tell them what to do. Um, <laughs> she was born and raised in Inglewood, which because of her, because I remember her talking about that on America's Next Top Model all the time that she was like born and raised Inglewood. She represents Inglewood. And so whenever I hear Inglewood, I think of her. I immediately think of her. When she was 11, she grew three inches and lost 30 pounds in a span of three months. And I can't even comprehend that. Um, ow. You know what I think about a lot is like growing pains. Remember how awful? I still sometimes feel like I get growing pains. Like sometimes I'll be like, this feels like a growing pain. Uh, even though I haven't grown since the sixth grade. But um, that's neither here nor there. But it made her really lanky. And she was... Did you hear that? You guys, can you please just let me win for one day? Why are you sneezing? Anyway, she was teased a lot for being lanky. And... um. She kind of filled out, and in 1989, she was like, I'm tall, and tall is in, I'm skinny, I'm rich, and I'm a little bit of a bitch. Do you love that song? Donatella. If you don't know that song, why are you listening to this? Seek it out, Lady Gaga, Donatella, on Art Pop. Oh, that's right, because you guys were shitty. They're sneezing. Oh, my God. Is this just, like, my life? Am I just going to be chaotic? Am I not allowed to get a win? Art pop. Listen to it. Okay. So she sought out modeling and she was like, I need to get on this. I need to make this situation work for me. And she got rejected a lot. Probably why she rejected so many of those girls on America's Next Top Model. I think she has like a kink for it or something. I don't know. Because she was really mean to a lot of those girls. Um, anyway, so she was rejected a ton. And uh, one of the agencies early on called her too ethnic. Which is like Tyra Banks too ethnic. What does that even mean? It means too black. Um, yeah, let's like not mince things. That's what they meant. Uh, and then um, another agency that rejected her said, we already have a black girl, so we're good. We can't have two. Can you believe that? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, what? Um, so she ended up actually signing with the, the biggest uh, agency at that time, which was Elite Model Management. They shipped her off to Europe post um, graduation, uh, like post her high school graduation in 1991. And her first year, like her, her first season in Europe, in Paris, she booked 25 runways. Can you believe that? 25. She was in every single campaign from that time, magazine, runway, anything you can think of, Tyra was there. Uh, and of course, it wouldn't be a 90s supermodel story if we did not mention the music videos that she was in. She was um, uncredited in uh, Michael Jackson's Black or White. She was in Tina Turner's Love Thing. She also was in a George Michael's 
on music video. And she began acting pretty early on. So like I said earlier, I think that 93 is when she really, really popped um, in terms of her like celebrity and her being a uh, personality model, like not just a model who was like, you know, a model, but somebody whose personality that people sought after the definition of a supermodel for me. Um, so she appeared in, you know, one of the greatest shows of all time. And I know that a lot of you hate Will Smith now, but I don't hate him. Sorry, not sorry. Um, she was in, uh, I think it was eight episodes of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, starting in 93, she played Will's love interest. And what's really crazy is so like she she was booked and busy at the beginning of her career in um, Paris and stuff. And she was like in Vogue and doing all this stuff. But then she quickly had a pivot away from high fashion. Like her high fashion career was not that long. It feels like it was long because we have, she was in everything. She was walking so many runways, but her high fashion career, like it was here and then it was gone. And what's really incredible about Tyra is that she pivoted and she pivoted greatly. Like she started acting early on and I, I, I'm sure there's a lot of girls who were just as beautiful, just as talented, had just a, as much of a cool look. And unfortunately, they just didn't pivot. And so what happened was she gained a little bit of weight and a little bit of weight for she probably gained 15 pounds. Like, let's be honest. But because it's high fashion and if you're not like between a zero and a three, like you gotta, you get the boo. Like it's deuces. You gotta go. And she refused to lose it. She was like, no, I'm not going to lose this weight. And so, uh, she instead was like, fine, you don't want me in high fashion. Like I'll do it a different way. I'll be successful a different way. And she, uh, took her brand and went to commercial slash like lingerie swimsuit. And that was the best possible decision for her. Like, absolutely. Because when I think of, like, um, models whose bodies were, you know, not that, like, super, super skinny, I I think of Tyra Banks. Like, her, her look in the late 90s is what I think of when I think of, like, bombshell models. And she really cultivated a brand around herself, which is just very admirable. And I think we really forget that because she is such a freaking cornball and she was so mean on America's Next Top Model. But she also was the first black woman to to do a lot. She was the first black woman on the cover of Sports Illustrated, the swimsuit edition in 1996. Fun fact, I had a bikini from Walmart that looked like the Tyra Banks um, SI cover <laughs> bikini. And in my little portfolio I have, I have pictures of me in that bikini. Oh my God. Oh my God. Anyway, so the reason this is 
so incredible, obviously, because like she's the first black woman to do it. But the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition that started in 1964. You want to know how old my mom was? She was a year old. That means my mom had me and I was already a couple years old before there was a black woman on the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition cover. What? And then she also was the first black woman to be featured on the cover of um, a Victoria's Secret catalog. So, like, obviously there had been black women in the Victoria's Secret catalog, just like there had been black women in in, um, Sports Illustrated, but she was the first one on the cover. And the Victoria's Secret one was in 1997. That, the, the Victoria's Secret catalog, that started in 1979. Long before I was even a thought. 1979 to 1997. Can I just, like, it, it wasn't until I was alive that a black woman was on either one of those co- covers. And I'm only 30. Like, that's absolutely egregious. And I, I can't comprehend it. Yeah, at the same time, it's like, no shit. No shit. But, you know, we're, if you turned on a certain uh, news channel, you would, that stuff is all behind us. Okay. So the craziest thing I learned in my research about Tyra to just completely pivot away from that is that she dated John Singleton. How did I not know that? That that feels like pop culture history that I should know. And I had no idea. Like, I what? Um, I don't have time to get into who John Singleton is. Google it. It's important. However, guess he was a piece of shit. Allegedly. So Tyra in 2005 told Ryan Seacrest that she had a boyfriend who emotionally and physically abused her. Um, And she's like, I'm not going to give specifics on who it was because like, I'm not going to give you any kind of indication and, you know, for her own protection and peace of mind, I'm sure. But people theorized that it was uh, John because he had pleaded no contest for, abusing the mother of his children um in the like in like 1998 or 1999 and uh Tyra and John dated from 1993 to 1996 and um he put her her like big screen debut like her movie debut was in his movie Higher Learning uh, after she had been on the Fresh Prince. And so she got a lot of shit for that. Like, you know, that she's a gold digger and she was only with him. So he put her in a movie and, you know, the same shit that women always get shit on about. Can you tell that I'm in like a, like a, a mood today? (laughs) Um, But she also dated Seal in 1996. After her and John Singleton broke up, she dated Seal, which I feel like I vaguely remember seeing that on like an E! story or like something like that. But um, what's crazy is that Seal dated her and then he went on to marry Heidi Klum. It's like landing one supermodel is like impressive 
landing too? I feel like he, I feel like, um, he has like Mark Anthony swagger. That's what I feel in my heart. I think I've talked about that. How I was like, I don't get it. He kind of looks like a bug. And then he was on Wendy Williams. And I was like, I get it now. That dude, he has it. What do the kids say? Riz, he has it. Uh, anyway, there's this narrative with Tyra. That's also the same narrative that surrounds Halle Berry. Is that they can't keep a man. Like she's so, and Jennifer Anderson. She's so beautiful but she can't keep a man. She can't keep a man. Um, I don't know about Jennifer Aniston, but Halle Berry and Tyra were both in really abusive relationships during the rise of their stardom. Like Halle Berry's like deaf in one ear or like partially deaf in one ear from getting the shit beat out of her. Um, And I have to just wonder if like, how, I mean, that obviously affects you, that affects your, uh, how you are in a relationship and how you go from each relationship after that. Um, I was in an abusive relationship that ended nine years ago and I'm still so deeply affected by it. Like so deeply affected by it. It's still, it's still, I still have wounds that will never, ever heal. They will never fully heal. And I like my heart just hurts for her because I, I did that like where my life is just my life and just the people around me. And she had to like be in this relationship that was really picked apart in the press. And she was this huge celebrity and it's just like, you know, if she came out with that abuse, it, it probably would have killed her career. And she still hasn't even, like, disclosed who it was. So it's like, I don't know, my heart really breaks for her. And um, it it also just breaks for women because, like, the way she talks about it, like, she views it and she's, like, kind of, like, it made me strong and resilient. And, like... Women shouldn't have to endure hardships to feel their resilience. We shouldn't have to have our heart broken. We shouldn't have to have our body hurt. We shouldn't have to have our trust betrayed to feel our own resilience. And yeah, that's just something that that really is awful. Um, So... Let's move on from the sad stuff and go to the fun stuff. But also, it's kind of sad, too. So it would it be a Tyra episode if I did not talk about her feud with Naomi Campbell? So Naomi and Tyra, their feud, you talk to one of them, you're going to get one thing. You talk to the other, you're going to get another thing. And Ultimately, the truth lies somewhere in between, I'm sure. And they're really the only two that will ever actually know the truth. So Tyra, she has said that a feud implies equals. And she says her and Naomi were not equals. Naomi was a supermodel and Tyra was just a girl walking in Paris. Um, I have to disagree with that fully. Like, yes, Naomi was like... Naomi 
is the supermodel. Like I'm talking about these 10 women um, and I'm talking about their impact and their career in the 90s. I'm doing this because of Naomi Campbell, because she is at the top. She's at the top of the pyramid. She's at the top of the food chain. Naomi Campbell is the supermodel. But Tyra was also a supermodel to me. And I wish she saw that for herself. But um, when when Naomi went on Tyra's talk show, which I watched, I was watching. Let's Can we take a second and talk about Tyra? I know we're talking about Tyra in the 90s, but Tyra's talk show. I remember I watched the last episode. So my family, we were my dad is like very into everything that has to do with motorcycles, um, like Harleys, motocross. But our neighbor, a kid I grew up with, he um, raced in something called flat track. And it's basically NASCAR, but on a motorcycle, on a really big motorcycle. And you have to be really fucking good. Um, and so I, I spent my teenage years going to God knows how many flat track races, so many cold days spent watching flat track races. And a lot of them were, uh, in our state, like a big one was down South in our state. Um, in this town called Kelso, well, actually it was in Castle Rock, but we always stayed in Kelso and, we went down there for a weekend to watch flat track racing and I stayed back for a few hours so I could watch the last episode ever of Tyra. And I was so, and I also lost my favorite pair of like glasses at that godforsaken mall. I think it's called like three rivers mall. It's a sad mall. Um, I lost my favorite glasses there the day that I watched the last episode of Tyra and I was so, I love, that was my favorite talk show of all time. That and uh, Jenny Jones, which I should not have been watching when I was that young, but Jenny Jones and Tyra, they were my favorite talk shows and I'm so heartbroken over them. But I watched when Naomi went on Tyra's um, talk show live and I was, I was chomping at the bit. I was salivating. I was like a little, bone a little dog with a bone I could not take it um and Tyra oh my god it gives me chills to think about I literally have chills down my spine Tyra turns to Naomi and she's like you know let's talk about the feud and she was like I I know you got me kicked off of the Versace show and Naomi responded did you even know Gianni Versace iconic iconic on her own show she said did you even know Gianni Versace oh my god I couldn't I couldn't take it Ah, I could not take it it was iconic um they only those two really know how deep it it went but I have a theory I do have a theory on this uh and like I said earlier one of the agencies that Tyra was rejected from told her they already had a black girl. And so 
you know, this was 30 years ago and Naomi was the black girl model. And the thing when it comes to racism and systemic racism, it perpetrates this. It makes it so that only one black woman was allowed to be the top girl. And it, it pits these two women together. And it's so unfair because like there is enough room for everybody. There was enough room for both of them, but the powers to be wouldn't let something like that happen because you know, we can't have two, we can't have three, we can't have 15. We have to have one who's the top girl. And so you have people probably in Naomi's ear, like she's trying to come from your spot. She's trying to take what's yours. And you have probably people telling Tyra, like, knock her down. She needs to learn. Like, and it's, it, it's so like heartbreaking because like, imagine if they would have like became friends. Like they had a real friendship, like a friendship like Naomi had with Kate because Naomi is a little bit older than Tyra and Naomi really took Kate Moss under her wing and was like an older sister to her. And imagine if like her and Naomi could have had that dynamic. Um, it, it would have been great. What, what could have happened? What should have happened? We don't know, but there is, um, some iconic imagery of them. It was from, uh, Vogue, May, 1992. And they're on a yacht. And then there's a um, another one where they're like probably one of the like biggest nostalgia pictures I see often is her Tyra and Naomi on a on the beach and they're sitting on um, like beach chairs and they kind of look like like Barbies. It's a beautiful picture and Vogue you know, they show it a lot. They're like digging into the archive because <laughs> it's that, it's that iconic of a picture. Um, and it's just absolutely wild to me that Tyra and Naomi have spent 20 years attempting to bury the hatchet, but they continue to shade each other often. And so it's like, it's the feud that will never, ever end because they're like, we're going to bury the hatchet. And then you know, one of them says something in the press that's shady and then the other one has to respond and then they're like, we're going to bury the hatchet. And it's just the cycle continues. Um, so we will see. We will see. Um, and then she really, Tyra ended the 90s uh, like being completely successful at that transition. So 1998 is really when like I remember seeing um Tyra like I remember she she was getting her face photographed okay that was one thing she was gonna do she was on at every award show presenting she was on every red carpet she was at every premiere she was at every opening of a gallery like Lindsay Lohan like mama she was booked and busy you were gonna see her face and you're gonna remember her face and she was serving every single time when I was looking at all those pictures from that era, like 
there is not one time where I was like, girl, what are you wearing? Like she was serving. She was looking gorgeous. It was, it's her job to look gorgeous. So it's like not a surprise, but oh my God, every single picture I saw, I was like, oh, you were so, she still is beautiful, but like Tyra, 1998 Tyra, oh my God, it's gorgeous. And so she, she like that, I'm just so impressed with her pivot from high fashion to like this commercial stuff and where I didn't even think about it until I started reading stuff about it. Like I didn't consider her not a high fashion model. Like she was just a model to me, but it, you know, she was, her big stuff was, um, the sports illustrated cover and Victoria's secret. That's where like her and those Victoria's secret ads, that's where I'm like, yes, like that is Tyra Banks to me. And there's this one uh, picture of her. And I think it's the first year they did the wings and she just looks, oh my God, that face is just, it's incredible. And what is so admirable about her is that she was like, yeah, I'm not going to stop eating. I'm just going to create a new lane for myself. Like, I'm just going to, this is what I'm going to do. And she did it. Like, tell me that's not a boss thing. And like, it's, she was smart to do that because she wasn't going to beat Naomi Campbell. And it shouldn't have been that. It shouldn't have been her having to beat Naomi Campbell because it should have been that like both of them could have had successful high fashion careers, but that that's not the way it was set up then. And I don't even really think it's the, that's the way it's set up now, but it certainly wasn't, you know, 25 years ago. And so she was smart to recognize that and say, you know what, let me pivot completely. And it's incredibly impressive that she's maintained a level of relevancy for 30 years. Everybody knows who Tyra Banks is. She's a cornball now. But that doesn't negate what she did with her career and what she did in the 90s. And she's known for her career. I don't, just like Naomi, I don't, there's celebrities who I think of and I think of them with another celebrity or whoever their partner was. And with Naomi and Tyra and really all of these supermodels, their career is what I think of with them. Like, I, who they dated is such a afterthought. It's like, what, what's the imagery? What were they doing? How have they been doing it? And I feel like with Tyra, out of this whole group has really been the one to create a, a whole entire, like, like Paris Hilton has this brand around her. Tyra has this brand around her. Tyra has so many iterations of her career. You know, she has the the high fashion of the early on in her career. And then she has her acting that she did. Like her in the 90s, she was in a lot of cult classics. And then you have her like history making part and then her Victoria's Secret which is really like if you're a millennial that 
that time that she was walking the runway with the Victoria's Secret fashion show, that is like seared into like your DNA. <laughs> At least for me, I I think about those like 2000 to like 2014 15 like those 15 years of the Victoria's Secret fashion show like incredible and Tyra was she it was her and Giselle they were the top dogs there and and then you have what she did with America's Next Top Model which also is something that is like in the cultural zeitgeist like I see all the time on the <laughs> on the internet, so many um, gifts of her, so many reaction pictures of her or the girls that were on the show, and like that is to have that kind of relevancy carry on. I think is really impressive, and I think it's really impressive that she just kept pivoting, and even now, like she's still very relevant. And she's continued to be relevant. And I think she'll continue forever. I think she'll be one of those people that has 70 year career in, you know, Hollywood and celebrity. And I, I just, I really do commend her for that. I hope, um, you know, what, what I would hope for her is that she tones down the cornballness. That would be great. Um, and I also hope that, like, she does something about how toxic her show was. Because, yes, the show was very relevant and very um, influential for that time. But you saw from her in that show a lot of anti-blackness. Um, you saw a lot of, like, shaming. I remember her name was, I think it was Johanna. And she had lost weight, like, and they made it seem like she lost so much weight. And I wonder if she really did lose, like, you know, they, honestly, they made it seem like she, like, lost, like, 100 pounds. But, and they were like, she has a muffin top. And I was, I remember watching, like, where, what's a muffin top? Because she does not have one. And they just, like, treated her like she was, like, this dangerously obese person. And I'm like, that, she lost all this weight. She, you know, for herself. And now she's, like, getting told, like, oh, like, you, you, not you, not you. And she perpetrated that. And then there was, like, women who, you know, like, the plus size girls. And they were, like, a size 10. And getting called fat in so many passive aggressive ways and she like really she gave a platform for that and I just and she was like mean on that show and she was really belittling and I I do wonder um I do know that her career her legacy of sorts has been tainted by that by you know the passage of time and us being like hey that was really fucked up and I wonder if she will ever reconcile with that, like, truly. Like, she's done some things where she's talked about it, but it's all, you know, phony baloney. And it's like, no, why don't you, like, actually do the work? You're the one that, like, participated in this. And 
her show contributed to so many young girls having eating disorders. And so it's like, why don't you, you know, why don't you do something about that? Like you, you're, you're very concerned with, you know, maintaining relevancy and keeping your career going. Do something about like what you've done in your career. She'll probably do a documentary. That would be smart. Do a documentary. Release it in like three parts. Not don't do like the the super eight long the eight episode. No. Three. Maybe even two. On Hulu. On Hulu. Mm. Netflix. I think, yeah. Do something like um Pamela Anderson did. That's smart, Tyra. Okay. Whoever's managing your career, come talk to me. I can help you. We will get there. Let's let's have Tyra have her moment. You know, she has to be vulnerable. She's got to drop the cornball act. Oh, she has a kid, too. I didn't know that. Her and some white guy. They have a kid. I had no idea about that. Um... So I don't know when she had the kid. I was just looking at pictures and I'm talking about Tyra in the 90s. So I wasn't trying to Google all that, but I don't know how old the kid is, but congratulations on that. If you didn't know she had a kid, now you do. Now you do. So Tyra, I have, you know, to sum it up, I have conflicting feelings. I think that she did a lot for black women and black history. And I, I think it's so incredibly impressive how she pivoted her career and how she put her paws in so many different things. Um, and I could look at pictures of Tyra Banks in the nineties all day. Okay. Until what's that saying until the roosters come home or till the cows come home. Is it roosters or cows or is it a different farm animal? I don't know. Until the animals come home, I could look at pictures of Tyra Banks. However, like 2006 onward, Tyra Banks, I have a little bit of beef with her. But that's an episode for a different time, even though I already got into it a little bit. Because that's who I am, because it's my podcast. Uh, here we go. Here we go. I've just been yapping. It's time to wrap it up. I just want to keep talking to myself and going on and on, but it, at some point it has to end. Okay. At some point it does. So I hope you enjoyed this while you were doing your makeup, drinking your coffee, driving to work. I had so much fun clucking with you about Tyra Banks and all today's hot topics. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye.